If you have your Bible, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Um, uh, this month marks a very special month uh, for me um, here at Calvary. In just a few days on September 25th, uh, it will mark my 21st year being here at Calvary. And uh, um, uh, thank you, but that's not why I was saying that. Uh, um, and and uh, years ago, when I got the call from our former pastor, Pastor Mike, and he said, hey, I want you to come down. You'll do an interview with the board. And then uh, we're going to uh, have a special Sunday night service for you. And you are going to do something called a trial sermon, okay? A trial sermon. And what you should uh, liken a trial sermon to is um, if you buy this pastor (laughs) and you don't like him, you can send him back. That's what a trial sermon is. With no cost related to you. And so, you know, my encouragement uh, from Pastor Mike, he says, man, I want you to bring it, man. I want you to bring your best message. And, and uh, you know, here I am, a, a young man, uh, 29 years old, and uh, I'm, I'm just like, okay, hey, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm uh, bringing my best message, but I'm going to pray and say, God, I want to bring your message. And uh, and I was praying about it, and I'm getting ready for this night, and I'm like, man, there's there's a lot of uh, things that are moving here, God. I see you pointing in a direction. Lord, what's the word that you want me to, to give to this church? And when the Lord spoke to me, I thought, uh, that's not the kind of message that gets somebody hired. That might be the message that gets someone fired. That may be the one, I say, you want me to come there and and to speak a message. That night's title from this passage was called Step Into the Yoke, suggesting that that there was an opportunity to, to step into something that Calvary was not already stepping into. How many of you know when an outsider who wants to come and be a part of a team and says, hey, there's something we need to step into that we're not yet into, uh, when you say that, some people are like, thanks, but no thanks. That's kind of what I thought. I said, well, God, I'm going to come in obedience to you. God moved that night, and 21 years later, you're still putting up with me. Um, 16 of those years spent in youth ministry, gladly never looking at at youth ministry as a stepping stool. I want to tell you that uh, gladly that the culture of this place is that children and young people and ministry to the next generation is not a stepping stool. We do not use ministering to our children and youth as a ladder to whatever uh, the, the world measures as success. We see the next generation as the ones that God is going to pour his spirit out on and we're pulling together. That's why our whole staff does harvest night. That's why our whole staff is involved in our Calvary Kids Camp. That's why our whole staff is, uh, or most of our staff is involved in Camp Impact for our students. So you you'll see that there is great value, and that thing started a long time ago, really connected to this passage. And today I want to speak to you a message called "Come to Me." Come to me. I have uh, what could only be described as a rumbling in my heart and spirit for you today. 
The Lord woke me twice last night with one particular verse on my heart. And that, that verse was compelling me to cry out over your families, over your lives. And that God was going to show up and move in power today. And I want to read this to you. It's only three verses, but I believe God is going to speak something compelling and timely to us today. This same passage that the Lord spoke to me about some 21 years ago. Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to know today that this message is relevant for this hour. And there are some, there are some principles that I want you to grab hold of today in a real way. If you've just come uh, to just kind of go through the religious motions, uh, come, come next week. Maybe you can do it then. Not today. Today, God is beckoning us to a holy response, to a timely word from him. And what we hear in this passage, in this verse 28, in the very beginning, is this. Jesus is calling. And what is he saying as he is calling to those who don't know, yet know him and those who know God and yet have a measured approach to their relationship with him? He is saying this, come to me. I feel in my bones that the call of heaven over this planet right now is come to me. Come to me. You need to know this. There are other voices and other teachers, but Jesus is saying, come to me. And who is he inviting? Who is he inviting? Those who have it all together? No. This invitation is to everyone. This invitation is to everyone. This voice of Christ that is going out across the planet, it is an invitation to everyone. Look what Revelation 22 verse 17 says. Some of the final uh, verses in all of the Bible, and it says, and the spirit and the bride say... Okay, I know the Spirit's saying it, but also we're supposed to be saying it. And the Spirit and the bride say... And let him, let him who hears say, see, it's the voice of God that is going out. The spirit of God is saying, come unto me. But the people of God who are connected to the spirit of God are also supposed to be saying, Jesus is calling everyone and saying right now, come, come. Who is he saying it to? Verse, verse 15, 17 continues, he says, and let him who thirsts come. Here's the, one of the strongest words in all of the Bible, whoever. Whoever desires, let him 
take the water of life freely. I don't know if you have ever felt broken, disqualified, forgotten, overlooked, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is looking you squarely in the eyes today in no matter what condition you find yourself in. And his message to you is saying, don't let any teacher, don't let any culture, don't let anything keep you at a distance when my voice is saying, come. Come. Notice what Jesus says in John 6, 37. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Man, that would make me want to run, just that little part. All the Father gives me will come to me. And the one, listen, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I'm here to confront a voice that some people in this room have been listening to. You gave your life to Christ, but you stumbled and you fell and you've been tripping and your, your life has been uh, uh, you know, sometimes in and sometimes out. And based upon the way you judge people, you would have cast you out. But I'm here to tell you that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way. I still hear a voice going out to the broken. Whether you're broken because of other people or you're broken because of your own choices. There is a voice that is going out and he is saying, come, come, come. I will by no means cast you out. There's an invitation today, people. And I believe we're in the great time we're in a time of great response to the voice of Jesus saying, come. Second fastest growing church in the world. Want to guess what nation it's in? Afghanistan. Second fastest growing church in the world. Afghanistan. I've got, I've got a question for you because this is how we kind of think in, in linear ways. Do you think the church of Afghanistan stopped growing because the United States happened to pull out militarily? I'm here to tell you no, because there is still a voice that is calling out over the 1040 window, over many of them who are under the bondage of Islam. There is a voice of one they call Esau, and Esau is saying to those in the bondage of false religion, come, come. Come, come unto me. No, 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 that church is still going to grow. They may die for their faith. They may, they may go the way of martyrs, but that church is not saying, oh, no, we're not backing up because the political climate has changed. Oh, no, oh, we got a promise that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I wonder if we in the West wouldn't once again get baptized in a voice coming from our Savior saying, come, if we wouldn't find the same level of fortitude that many of our brothers and sisters in the East have had to find in this hour. We're in the time where many around the world are responding to the voice of Jesus saying, come. I love what Jesus does. He doesn't just say, come. 
and I will leave you the way I found you. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I love any time that you see God say, I will, you can take it to the bank. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I want to make you I want to make this statement because you need to know what Jesus is talking about. There is a weariness of soul connected to religious activity that can only be healed through an encounter with Jesus. You see, when he was here in this crowd, he was addressing the Jewish people who had been given laws and the rules of man and trying to approach God their way. And that system of teaching had led the people to be weary. And I believe in this hour by the Spirit of God that you may be in this church and you may have been attending and there may be a weariness in your heart today that an encounter with Jesus will heal. You say, why would the people of God who place faith in Christ for salvation be weary? Here's why. We never make these statements publicly. We live them through the attitude of our life. And here's the statement that I see many believers getting into weariness and out of rest as a result of this mindset. Here's the mindset. I'm saved because of grace, but I stay saved because of me. We would never say that. Because we're like, oh no, that's bad, that's bad thinking. I'm saved because of him, but if I'm gonna do anything in this kingdom, it's gonna be because of me. If I'm going to have a measure of success, man, and then suddenly we get into this performance mentality, which Jesus in this moment is warning them. He's like, listen, you don't need Jesus and something. You need me to come. You need an encounter with me. He said, you're weary and heavy laden because you have thought that somehow I am, I, 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 I'm just going to only work because of your effort level. Now, by the way, I'm the one that is all in when it comes to, uh, you know, giving all diligence, as the scripture says. I want you to be full of fervor. I mean, if I were to ever get a tattoo on my rib... It would be this verse, never be lacking in zeal. And by the way, if you are the one that got the tattoo on your rib and you posted it on Instagram, stop. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. If we want to see the verse, we'll go right here. We don't see your ribs. You're not likely to see mine anyway. They're covered up in grace. <laughs> 
<laughs> you see, listen, there is a weariness of soul connected to religious activity that can only be healed through an encounter with Jesus. He said, I will give you rest. When believers are consistently pursuing the right things the wrong way, you will live in anguish of soul. I'm going to say it again. When believers consistently pursue the right things the wrong way, they, they end up in anguish of soul. Here's what I mean by that. If you are consistently, let me, let me just give you one. This one happens to be high on the, my pet peeve list. And today I'm getting free as I'm unloading. <laughs> I hear it all the time. People meaning well. You're praying this way. God, would you just put an open heaven over me? God, give me an open heaven. I'm here to tell you, you know why God can't answer that prayer? Because you already have it. And if you spend your life pursuing the right things the wrong way, you pursuing God through prayer, but you're asking a question that God has already done. I'm here to tell you, in, in Scripture, when Jesus got baptized, he was baptized, comes up out of the water. It says that God tore the heavens open, and the Spirit descended on Jesus and remained. I'm just going to let you know, God didn't sew it back up. When God opened the heavens over Jesus and you and I come in to the body of Christ, we now live in an open heaven. But what we find is, is that there are people who consistently ask for things that God has already granted them and they lead, they end up living this life of anguish when they don't have to. They, they, they think, well, you know, I, I need to work harder. I need to, I need to work and work and work and work. And then somehow, finally, I will then have God's approval. I want you to hear what Galatians 3 says. It says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? And are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Listen, we are not working for God's approval. We are working in this kingdom because we have God's approval. We have God's approval. We have it because of grace. Now, what we misunderstand about grace is that we think grace is only connected toward uh, us being born again. And we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That is absolutely true. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That is absolutely true. But I want, I'm here to tell you today that that's not the only thing that grace does. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So what does grace do? It brings salvation. It brings a rescuing of people who were, who were in the slave market of sin and now have been delivered into the kingdom of the glorious light. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What else does it do? It teaches us. 
that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Here's what you need to understand about the right way of understanding pursuing God and coming to Jesus. Jesus, grace is what brings you salvation. God's undeserved, unmeasurable favor given to us in Christ. But it is also grace that teaches holiness. It's grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness and that we are to live soberly and that we are to live not just separated from the world. I I believe that we should be separated from the world, but we are separated unto him. Grace teaches us holiness. And then lastly, grace fixes our focus on Jesus. It says grace teaches us to look. What are we looking for? We're looking for something that our self-help podcast don't talk about enough. Your self-help podcast is only going to try to fix the temporary vapor of your life. And while I agree there is some fixing that needs to happen in that vapor, there is something that is going to take place that the whole church should be looking to because of, of God's grace. And we need more people to say it and say it loudly. The answer to the salvation of this world is this. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming again. The Bible says that in the last day, people are going to cast that idea away, but nope, not here at Calvary Church. I'm still going to stand in this place and say one day with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, there's going to come a rumbling in every cemetery and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Grace teaches us that I'm to live looking for that blessed hope. He's coming again. And if you'll, if you'll live, listen, I had, a, I had a, a, a woman say, you know what? Hey, uh, our preacher used to start every sermon with, Jesus, is today the day that you're going to come get us? And he says, well, if not, then I guess I'll share my message. <laughs> and she said, you know what? That, that really helped us to keep our eyes on him and keep our eyes focused in the right direction. And I, I looked at her and I said, yes, as long as it is combined with doing what he said you should be doing when he returns. The scripture says that when he comes as the owner of the vineyard, he needs to find us working in that vineyard. Listen, we're not in the vineyard because we had a lot of money and bought it ourselves. No, we're in the vineyard of God's grace and the vineyard of the family of God because he purchased us by his own blood, put us there and said, tend it and multiply every gift that I have put into you until I return. Church, you need to listen to me. There is a weariness of soul in pur pursuing God through 
religious mandates, but there is a rest that comes from an encounter with Jesus. You can be at rest and evangelizing and praying for the sick and seeing God move, and you're like, man, I have never been more busy, but I have never been more at rest. I heard a, I heard a, 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 a young girl say at a funeral, she says, you know, Jesus needs to get a cell phone. She was at her grandma's funeral. Because she just wants to pick up the phone and talk to whoever's in heaven. And I, I kind of feel like for some of us, we kind of wish Jesus had a phone too so we could hear what he is saying so that we could experience what he is offering. And I want to tell you, church, you can. You're made to hear his voice. You're made to experience his healing and it all comes out of an encounter with him the last thing that we find from this passage is not only is Jesus calling and Jesus is healing, but Jesus is equipping. He says these words. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I know that when I read this service, some of you did not hear yoke. You heard yolk, and now you're hungry. <laughs> you want breakfast, okay? Some of you are like me. I'm from, my dad is from a family of farmers. And so when you hear the word yolk, you, you begin to think of the ancient way in which they would plow fields, where you take two oxen of similar size and you yoke them together, and there is a synergy that takes place, whether that is oxen or horses or mules or whatever they were using, and they would yoke them together so that they could effectively plow a field. While there is an application of that, of that yoke, that is not the yoke that he is talking about. What is the yoke that Jesus is talking about? Honestly, for years I thought he was referring to farming equipment. It's not. What Jesus is talking about, I found out when I was actually standing in Capernaum in Israel. When Jesus was standing delivering this message, he was inviting people into the yoke of a rabbi's teaching. The yoke is a rabbi's teaching. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Why? Because you have all of these other rabbis that when you're listening to them as teachers, it is weighing you down. And I have come as one anointed to bring you into your rightful purpose when it comes to relationship with God. There were these rabbis at the time, and I, uh, I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing Hebrew, but there were rabbis who 
had the right to simply teach the broad sweeping instruction of God. But then there were certain rabbis who were recognized as being anointed by God to give special interpretation, to give fresh insight. And it was, it's called the, the smika. The smika, they, they, when, they, when they would recognize them, they, say, they would say, hey, you have, uh, another way of saying it is, an authority from God to give us fresh revelation of what is being said. And so what Jesus was saying is like, listen, even your special teachers in your culture, they are leading you to weariness. They are leading you to heaviness. And Jesus says, you need to take my yoke. You need to come into my teaching. You need to come into my revelation. That is why there are so many that would come to Jesus and say, where did he get this? And this is how we say it in English. Where did he get this authority? Why does he teach as one who is allowed to give special interpretation of the Torah? Because he doesn't speak like one of our regular teachers. No, he speaks as one who has been especially anointed by God to give us insight. I want to say this. Jesus gave a description of his yoke. He described it this way. He said, my yoke, my teaching is easy and my burden is light. Now, uh, when I say easy, immediately you start thinking about office supplies. Because you've watched a commercial and there is an easy button. That is, that's like not really the application of this word. The real definition of this word easy means serviceable. Let me explain what it means when he says, my teaching is of good service. Have you ever had a flathead screwdriver and you needed to remove a Phillips head screw? And you're like, Uh, you know, if I get it just right in there and I push with enough pressure, then maybe this thing will break loose. You know what Jesus says is better? His yoke, the definition of easy in a practical way is this. It's the right tool in the right time for the right job. It's the right tool in the right time for the right job. He said, my yoke will work. When you are facing addiction, my teaching will work. When you're facing bondage, my teaching will work. When you're facing depression, my teaching will work. You say, are you sure about that? Oh, I'm absolutely sure of it. He finished the Sermon on the Mount this way in Matthew chapter 7. 
He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and, here's the key, does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. What he is saying is, listen, storms are going to come. The wind is going to blow. The flood is going to pound against your life. And there is one thing that will help you not only survive, but to thrive. It is the yoke of Christ. It is to take his teachings and ascribe them to your life. It's to take those teachings and say, wow, God, it really is easy. He also says it's light. Why did he say it's light? Not burdensome, light. Well, there's a story in Jewish tradition about when God was leading the people of Israel and they had formed this Ark of the Covenant. It was a a box of wood overlaid in gold and wood and gold. It was very heavy. The lid... Full of gold, had two cherubim on the top, wings extending over the mercy seat. Uh, uh, some scholars say that just the lid of the Ark of the Covenant would have weighed 700 pounds. Now, the Ark wasn't carried by an army of men. It was carried by priests, four of them. Now, how many of you know If you're marching some distance and carrying what quite possibly could have approached a thousand pounds, that would be rather wearisome unless you heard from the priests who were carrying it. And it is said in in Jewish tradition that as the priests would take hold of the wooden poles, It was as if the ark almost lifted it itself. They were, as an army and as a people, to follow the presence of God as the ark of God would lead. They would also say that as the ark of God was out in front, it wasn't like they were carrying it where they wanted to go. It was like the ark was leading them. Can I just tell you, that's exactly what it's like when you come into the yoke of Christ. When you're saved by grace and filled by his spirit, you think, man, how could I ever do this? If you're on the outside looking in, you're saying, how could I ever do this? You could never do it. You need to know the reason he said it was light is because God in this relationship does all the heavy lifting. He does all the heavy lifting. He goes to the cross, purchases redemption for us, and gives it to us by grace through faith. Listen, he does all the heavy lifting, but what do we need to do? We need to answer the call of Jesus to come. Church, I want to I, I, I speak very plainly to you today. 
I believe that there is a call for many who don't know Christ to come to Christ initially. I believe that. There may be someone here today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is the day. Don't leave here without experiencing Jesus. But I also know in my spirit today there are believers here who have taken Jesus' teaching and culture's teaching and the circumstantial teaching and has, have mixed them together and you walked in here today weary in soul because you're mixing the voices and God today is calling you back to a pure pursuit of Jesus. A, per, a pure pursuit of truth. One that says, Jesus, I am taking your yoke, your teaching, your life. And that is the one I am taking up. And I'm going to follow you. It, listen, I tell you, the greatest temptation to, in the church of America right now is to take this book, mix it with cult culture for our comfort. And I promise you, church, it will only lead to a life of discomfort, anguish of soul. What's the word today? To those who don't know Christ, it's come. For those who came in here weary of soul, because other teachers and other situations have garnered your attention, there is one word for you today. Come.